Good morning. I've got my Bible open to John chapter 13, and I'd invite you to open yours with me as well. To John chapter 13, we'll be spending our time together in God's Word in this wonderful text, John 13. This year, we are seeking to grow in Christ. The Apostle Paul said that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. In another place, he says that we are growing into His likeness from one degree of glory to another. John writes that when the Lord Jesus returns, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And you put it together, and what you see is that God's plan from before time began, God's plan for us now, and God's plan for us in eternity is that you and I should look like Jesus. And that's why this year we're seeking to become more like Christ. And we're going to look today at what it means to love like Christ. When Paul prayed for the Colossian church, he said, I pray that you might increase, that you might abound, that you might grow in faith and love and hope. And earlier this year, we looked at growing in faith. Deepening our trust in God. Today we're going, and next week we're going to look at what it means to grow into the love of Christ. And then at the end of the year we'll look at what it means to grow in our hope. But the goal really over these next two weeks, in our 9.15 and 11 worship, is to chip away at the selfishness that lies within all of us. We're going to chip away at this self-centeredness that becomes the source of much of our sin and conflict and our separation between us and God. Today we're going to look at how to do that by deepening our love for others. And next week we're going to look at what it means to deepen our love for God. As our brother Nathan so ably did in our 9 a.m. worship, he said, that that is the fulfillment of the two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So today we're going to consider what it means to love others like Jesus did. And if you're going to think about loving others like Jesus did, there's no better place to go than the writings of John. John is sometimes called the apostle of love because he spoke about love so often. And in the Gospel of John, you find that in the first nine chapters, he uses the word, excuse me, the first 12 chapters, he uses the word love nine times. Nine times in 12 chapters. It's there, just not too prominent. But beginning in chapter 12, describing one day in the life of Jesus, he uses the word love 30 times. In other words, if you want to see what it looks like to love like Jesus, look at His time with His disciples in that upper room when He described to them what it means to love like He loves. And so today we're going to do that by looking into the upper room, John chapter 13 and verse 1. Notice how it begins with love. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. 
During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and that was going back to God, he arose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, do not wash my feet. Jesus answered him, But what I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that's why he said, Not all of you are clean. And when he washed their feet... He put on his outer garment and resumed his place. And he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Notice that John begins the section talking about the love of Jesus. And then this love of Jesus is illustrated in what he does for others, what he does for his disciples. But before he gets to the action of Jesus, he wants us to see that there are some things that Jesus knew before he served them. And notice that the text says there in verse 1 that Jesus had known that his hour had come that he was to depart this world to the Father. Jesus knew that death was close. And that was a troubling thought for anybody, isn't it? to know that maybe death is close to us. But how much more troubling is it to know that that death is going to be on a cross? A lot of us get nervous when we know the next day we're going to be going to the dentist, right? (laughs) Because we know that doesn't feel very good. Here is Jesus knowing that that very next day He is going to be nailed to a cross. He is going to suffer to breathe. He is going to die at the hands of sinful men and hear nothing but mocking as he does so. In fact, the text tells us in Matthew's gospel that on this occasion he said to his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Now when we are afraid, when we are scared, when we are filled with sorrow, do we tend to think about others? Or do we drive into thinking only about ourselves? Jesus knew 
the cross that was before him. And he loved others. But John wants us to know that he also knew that his friends were going to betray him. In verse 11, it says he knew who was to betray him. Verse 2, it says the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. Jesus knows that these are the men, as our brother so wonderfully and powerfully spoke in the Lord's Supper, these were the ones who were not righteous. And they were the ones who were actually going to leave him. Now, how do you feel when somebody you love betrays you? Or you feel like you've been done wrong by somebody? How do we typically respond? We typically ignore them. And if we find ourselves in the same room as then, we're going to find a way around them. Because we don't want to be around them. We don't care about them. We certainly want to, don't want to do anything good for them. If we do talk to them, it's going to be a confrontation so that we can take our revenge upon them. Usually when we feel like we've been done wrong, love leaves the room. And yet Jesus knew what Judas was thinking that night. And he didn't ask the other 11, why don't you take that boy back out behind the alley and give him a good beating for what he is even thinking about doing? No, that night, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and that night, he gave Judas every opportunity to change his mind. He gave him every opportunity to be right. And it started by washing his feet. He washed Judas' feet. Those feet were clean when his dirty hands went and took the money to betray Jesus. In fact, every one of those disciples that night who fled from Jesus fled with clean feet. When we feel like we've been done wrong, we typically feel like that gives us a right not to love that person, not to help them, not to care about them, not to serve them. And Jesus, knowing that he was going to be betrayed, washed their feet. Why? Because Jesus taught us, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Why? Because that's what your Father in heaven is like. He sends His Son and His reign upon the just and on the unjust. In other words, to have a love like Jesus, it's not a picky love. It's a love that knows that people have done us wrong and we still choose to love them anyway. Christ-like love knew the cross was coming, knew the betrayer was present. And then thirdly, John wants us to know that Jesus knew the future with the Father was certain. In verse 1, he says, this is John's description, he knew that he would depart this world to the Father. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand and that he had come from God and that he was going from God. Jesus knew that his friends would flee him, but he knew that his Father would come near him. Consider, by the way, how John describes the cross of Jesus in verse 1. I think it's beautiful. 
He describes the cross of Jesus with these words. He knew that he would depart this world and go to the Father. That's a great way to describe the cross. If I would have described the cross, I would have talked about the pain and the blood. I'd have, spa- I'd have talked about the suffering and the gasping for air. I would have talked about the hateful words around there. And, and what he says is what Jesus knew is that he was going to depart and go to the Father. It was like he was going to take a trip home. What a wonderful way that is to look at death. As believers in Jesus, we can see death, no matter how difficult and painful and scary it might be, as a journey home. That we get to leave this world that is corrupted by sin. We get to leave this world that is characterized by pain and reigned by death. And we get to go home and be with the Father. Now, if I were tempted, if I were Jesus, I'd be tempted to say, I know where I'm going. I'm going to go with the Father. Forget you guys. I'm just passing through. I'm just here at the bus stop. I'm not worried about the rest of you folks because I know I'm going home. And sometimes love leaves when we don't see that these people are really going to be important in my life. But here's what Jesus is doing. He wants us to know. John wants us to see. Here is Jesus facing a fearful death of the cross. Here's Jesus knowing that people are going to treat Him wrong and despise Him and reject Him. He knows that He's going to the Father. And yet, knowing all of that, Jesus chooses to put His love into action by serving others. Well, what's the point of all of this? The point of all of this is that we have no excuse for our lack of service. Now, let's just be honest. Every one of us here this morning knew the the moral of the story. We're supposed to love other people and serve them. I, I mean, I'm not giving you anything new here. You know that. And yet, why do we do so little service of others? Why do we do so little service for the spiritual good of other people? Why do we do so little? It is because when the opportunity arises, we find some very convenient sounding, reasonable sounding excuses why we just can't do it right now. I just really need to focus on myself right now. And then John says, look at Jesus. Jesus knew He was going to suffer and die on the cross the very next day. He knew the people He was serving didn't deserve it. And He knew that He was going to go to the Father. All this was going to be a faint memory. And yet, He chose to put His love into action and serve them. Over the last few weeks, I have shared with you the story of Matt Basford. He is a Christian who had been a preacher of the gospel for a number of years, and Matt has ALS. He is in the last stages of a most terrible disease, ALS. This week, he writes that he can no longer eat. And he has to be fed through a feeding tube now. And as he described that, he said, this is the loss of my only remaining earthly pleasure. No more taste. 
It's the loss of my last remaining earthly pleasure. But then he writes, the joys of the Spirit are all that I have left to me. But foremost among those joys of the Spirit, he writes, is I drink deeply of the delights of loving and serving my brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's a guy that can't get out of bed. Here is a guy that can't eat. Here is a guy who struggles to breathe. And you know what he's doing? He's saying, my greatest joy is to put my love in action and serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. And he is doing it as powerfully as I have ever seen right now. And then he writes from John chapter 3 and verse 1, reflecting upon these words which say, Jesus loved them to the end. He writes this. John 13 verse 1 famously records Jesus that he loved his disciples to the end. When I say that love is the only motivation left to me, Jesus looks up at me from the table in the upper room and he says, I get you. Jesus loved to the end. I have always found that statement comforting, but I think it's supposed to be more than comforting. It's supposed to be inspiring too. We know that we have loved as strongly as we ought when we have no energy left. We know that we have loved long enough when we have no time left. He is showing that what Jesus did on this moment is He loved them to the end. In fact, this word end in our text, He loved them to the end, it's the Greek word telos, and it's going to be found one other time within the next 24 hours. And it's when Jesus is on the cross, He has given everything, He is up to His last breath, and His last word that comes out of His mouth is finished. He loved them to the end. Jesus was thinking about others even at His last breath. Matt is doing that as well. And He has the authority which then to speak to us and say these words. He says, older men and women, keep serving to the end. Don't give up and sit down just because you're older. He writes to younger men and women, and he says, don't get distracted with the things in your life. Give your energies to serving the people of God. He writes this, please, if you're young, listen. Younger brethren, do not be deceived. The complete range of earthly delights is open to you. But it is just as true for you as it is for me that only love matters. The best way to prepare to love till the end is to start loving now. Choose the meaningful over the merely enjoyable. Jesus teaches us what it means to love is despite not having our best days, despite the difficulties of our days, despite the problems of our mind and our bodies, 
we choose to think of others and out of love act to help. That's Christ-like love. But John doesn't only want us to see what Jesus knew that night. He wants us to see what Jesus did that night. And it says in verse 4 that what Jesus did that night is that he washed their feet. Why wash their feet? Well, because they needed it and he was willing to do it. By the way, those are the two great principles of all good service. And that is you have eyes that are perceptive enough to see a need and you have a heart that's willing enough to sweat and get dirty to meet the need. That's what it means to love. A love that sees the need and a body that does all that it can to help meet that need. But something else is going on here. Not only is Jesus illustrating service by washing their feet, Jesus, the one who spoke many parables, is now living out a parable. Because that night, He is giving them a foreshadow of what the cross is going to do for them. John is keen to, remind, to show us that Jesus did this by taking off His garment, and after He was finished doing it, He put on His garment. Jesus took off His garment and cleansed them, and after cleansing them, He put on His garment as their teacher and master. Now, the only other time in the Gospels it talks about Jesus taking off His garment is going to happen within the next 24 hours when they take off the garment of Jesus and He's in His loincloth as He is here. And they nail Him to a cross. And on that cross, He cleanses the sins of His disciples. But then He's going to be raised from the dead and have a glorified body by which He goes back to be with the Father. What Jesus is illustrating in this night is what He is going to be doing for them on the cross. And that's why He has this interchange with Peter. You see, Peter has a problem a lot of us do, and that is he's too proud to be served or to serve. (laughs) And so Peter says, you're not going to wash me. In fact, What the other Gospels tell us is that this night, all of the disciples are having this argument about who's greatest among them. When I see that, I think of a bunch of teenagers, you know, out on the baseball field talking about who's better. I throw that better than you do. No, I hit ball better than you do. And they're just sitting there arguing with one another because what? We celebrate in our culture competitiveness, right? And there may be some values to competitiveness in this. We can talk about that. But I'll tell you what's at the heart of most competitive spirits. Itself is what it's at the heart. It's about me. But what Jesus is doing here is putting within them not competitiveness, but compassion. And He says to a group of men who are trying to better themselves, make themselves better than each other, He puts on the towel and He serves them and so showing that He's better than all of them. Why? Because in the kingdom of heaven, there is no greater position, there is no other position than a servant. And so He says to Peter, 
if I don't serve you, you're not clean and you can't be one of my disciples. You see, Jesus is pointing to the cross when He says, He's not just talking about if you don't wash your feet, you can't be one of my disciples. It's you, if you don't allow me to serve you, you can't be clean and you can't be my disciple. Peter's got to learn he is totally dependent upon Jesus. And the pride melts away. And when we recognize we're totally dependent upon Jesus, we recognize that the, the calling of Jesus is to be a servant just as He is a servant. You know, as I was thinking about this, I thought about how would you choose to change the world if, if you could change the world? How would you do that? Maybe be an author or a God forbid, a politician? Or maybe would you want to be a general? Uh, how would, maybe an influencer. There it is. How about that? If you're going to change the world, be an entertainer, right? The man who changed the world the most is someone who came and devoted his life to just 12 other people to form them into his image. And through them, he changed the world. We've got such a Texan American way of thinking sometimes. We think only the world can be changed by doing things big, having events, doing massive works. And Jesus changed the world by investing himself into 12 men who changed the world. And you know, sometimes when in business, we see somebody in business that became a billionaire, and they've written a book, and ooh, we go get that book, and, and we look it up. What did they do to become a billionaire? And we read it, and we say, oh, that's what I'm going to do now. Why? Because I need to be a billionaire, right? But the man who made the greatest impact on this world that's ever been made came and put his love into action and served others. What that tells us, my friends, is that love in action is what brings cleansing to this world. Love in action is how the blessings of God are released in this world. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples the need to be like him, to be humble, to be a servant, to love others, and to be able to, uh, to help others need. In fact, look at verse 14. Notice verse 14. I, I want, now, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Just listen to me for a minute. I think you may know this verse too well that you might finish it the way you know it finishes, but I want you to listen to it for a minute and just imagine how do you think Jesus is going to finish this verse? This is what he says. If I then, now remember, he's just washed their feet. Nobody's worrying about him that night, but he's worrying about them. He's washed their feet. And he says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash my feet. That's what I expect him to say. Look at me. Why aren't you thinking about me? But notice he says, if I've washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. If Jesus were among us today, we would fall all over ourselves to help Jesus and give him anything he wanted. But Jesus says what you need more is learn how to love one another like you've loved me. 
In fact, in Matthew's Gospel, he says that when you serve, even the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. In other words, when we serve, we are to serve one another, put our love into action towards one another in the same way that we would have done it for Jesus. That's the point. Well, the text began with Jesus knowing some things, and it ends with Jesus doing some things. But then Jesus makes a statement in verse 17 that tells us that we know some things, and so it's time for us to do some things. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And let's be honest. We knew the lesson before we started. The question Jesus asked is, are you living it? Is our love turning into action in serving others like Jesus did? Or are we like the disciples, making excuses, filled with pride, self-sufficiency, and dismissing it as somebody else's job to do, not mine. The thing is, is that the twelve had heard this sermon before themselves, but they weren't living it. And Jesus is asking them, having shown them what they ought to do, asking them if they would do it themselves. Does it sound familiar, by the way, that you know this lesson? And maybe you struggle in doing it? Yeah, we sit ourselves right in the place of the twelve. But in this verse, I want you to notice also that Jesus not only says that putting your love into action towards others is not only powerful, but it's joyful. Blessed are you if you do it. Here's what the world is telling us this week. The world says if you're going to be happy, if you're going to have tranquility and peace, then you need to accumulate. You need to accumulate power and wealth and pleasure, and position. And if you get all of this stuff, you're going to be blessed. And Jesus says, if you really want to be blessed, find somebody who's in need, and out of love, serve them, and you will be blessed. I think this is the passage that Paul had in mind when he was talking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 30, when he says, As Jesus taught us, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, Jesus used a basin of water to teach his lesson that day. But it's interesting that a few hours after this, there's going to be another basin of water in the biblical story. And Pilate is going to be there at that basin of water. And Pilate is going to have the opportunity to love and do what is right and good for this person, Jesus, standing before him. And instead, what Pilate's going to do is he's going to take that basin and he's going to wash his hands and he's going to walk away. And in these two stories, we see the two different approaches to needs. We can be like Pilate and wash our hands of it and walk away, keep ourselves safe, keep our position, keep our possession, make sure everybody thinks we're still good and popular, or we can be like Jesus. And we can take the the basin and we can go put the dirty foot in it 
and we can help meet the need. Which basin do we pick up? You know, I don't know about you, but some of the biggest changes in my life have not come because I've learned something new. Most of the big changes in my life have come because I have finally decided to commit to something I've always known all along. And maybe you find yourself in that place this morning. Love others like Jesus loved others. It's not a new message, is it? But maybe it's time for you to make a commitment to that message that you've known, to get out of yourself, to get past the excuses, the self-sufficiency, and the pride, and serve others like Jesus did. Well, maybe you're that way with regard to your salvation right today. Maybe you've always known Jesus is the Son of God. Maybe you've known He's died upon the cross, and you know those things. Have you acted upon those things? Have you repented of your sins? Have you confessed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, your, for the forgiveness of your sins? Do you see how love in action releases the blessings of God? Yeah, it happens in our baptism and in our daily lives. And if you're here this morning you need to do that, we want to encourage you to respond to the gospel. As servants, we stand and sing together.